0: Um, If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. And this is what it reads. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. When they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you, they wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their message was not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the, war, in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So this is the word preached to us. Um, I'm going to talk about a few things today narrowing in though on what this prophecy is that they're talking about who the prophets are what the prophecy is they're talking about but first we have to understand what the salvation is it starts by saying this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about and I was I went to a wedding yesterday and I wasn't in it (laughs) and I was sitting down at a table with some people and and their son is going through training in Bend, Oregon about how to share his faith. And they go out on the weekends and they hand out tracts. And they, their, their line with the tract is, would you like to know more about Jesus? And, and they're getting a response. And they're sharing about how this one time, there's someone handing out tracts, saying the line, and then somebody turned around and they go, actually, I would. And <laughs> they're sort of like, <laughs> yeah, they in the headlights. And, and then we have those experiences. And, and, and so I really wanted to quickly go through this salvation. What is it talking about here when it says this salvation? Uh, so, so we know exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, this salvation. In 1 Peter 1... 3 through 5. This is what it talks about. It It says, All praise to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So this is it. <laughs> because I know we read those things, right? And we're like, that's not John 3.16. I don't know where I am. <laughs> and this is, this is what it is. Because of his great mercy. So salvation begins with God having mercy on us. Mercy being a place where we can't represent ourselves. Do you you understand that? So we can represent ourselves in a relationship if say I come into the coffee shop and I say, Well, I'd I'd like a maple brevet. Brevet. I love maple brevets. And and they say, Okay, this is gonna be you know three fifty. And I say, okay. And so I represent myself and I, I can pay the sum, right? Mercy is if I'm like, I, I'm dying for a maple pen. <laughs> and, but I don't have any money. And, and, they, and they go, it's okay. I will give you this maple pen. It's not going to happen, okay? For you guys, but this is just an example, okay? <laughs> this is a business, okay? <laughs> but, right, so this is because of His great mercy, <laughs> we have come to God being like we talked about earlier, being in this place of saying, I, I just don't, I don't feel, I'm not, I don't just not feel, but I am not complete. I have this I was, as Augustine say, God, you made us for yourself and our hearts don't rest until they rest in you. I'm in this restless place, God. I'm in this this place where I need a relationship with you. God, I don't even know what that means when I say I need a relationship with you. I just... rah! Right? Because of his great mercy, this is what's happened. That we have been born again. So born again, not into our own family, but into his family. And because of that, this, is, this helps us. It says, therefore we have an inheritance, an inheritance that's from him. Right? So no longer are we inheriting what our family gives us, right? Which, which won't last too long. Um, but his inheritance, which is eternal life, right? Which cannot change or decay or perish. Right? So that's what the salvation is, is, is God is having mercy on us and just saying, come, be my, be my child. Right? That, that is the salvation that's being offered to us. It's something that the angels were watching for. The, the word there is, says it's stooping sideways is literally what it means. So they're like bending over the mercy seat of God going like, what's going to They themselves are eager to see the salvation take place. It's what the prophets were so excited about that even though they weren't serving themselves in what they preached, they preached it serving you, right? Get this, serving you, and it says they went through pains to seek it out, to inquire (laughs) what what the time and the person will be, and those are key words, time and person is what it says in NASB, and it's a better translation than the NLT, which is what we're reading out of right now, All right? The time and the person that the Holy Spirit was indicating, right? So this is where we've come. I, I want us to, to begin seeing today this story of salvation through the eyes of the, the prophets, the men in the Old Testament that we're talking about in Jesus, and this is why. Because we live um, in a sea, what I'm going to call a sea of mercy, right? Where we live in such a great wealth of mercy um, that I think in some ways we lose our appreciation for, for what the prophets were so excited about. And so I want us to be excited with the prophets. It's like if you talk to someone who <clears throat> is a gardener and they'll go out and they'll show you. I was with this older woman, she's a grandma, and she goes, like, look at my spinach and my kale and my... And I was like, what is kale? <laughs> um, what would we even use it for? Right? I don't even know Even know if she knew. She probably did. But, but she was just so excited that she, she wanted to show me. And it's like a skateboarder who, right, like wants to show me the seven stair they just did. And they're like, check it out. Right? This is what the prophets were like, right? They were so invested in it right, that they wanted to show you. But we're also going to talk about why... We are to be a Christian is to be excited about salvation, and, and I want us to recapture some of that today. If we lost it, one thing it, it will take for us is to have a new appreciation of history, which some of you guys probably don't look forward to. Um, is, is history right? It can be a personal history, like I once was lost, but now I found was blind, but now I see, um, but ultimately. This faith that we have in the person of Jesus Christ is not a private faith, right? It's something that we share with the prophets and it's something that we share with all those who are eagerly looking forward to Jesus coming back again, right? It's not a private faith. Um, And so learning what we share together. Uh, So listen to this. First of all, the prophets, who were they, and and what are they telling us? Um, If you'll turn with me to a few few passages of Scripture, Luke 24 helps us understand their message, the breadth of it. This is Jesus speaking with two people on the road to Emmaus, and they're all distraught because Jesus just died, and they're... They're just telling him about it, (laughs) right, as he's walking there with them. They're like, didn't you know what went on? Are you the only one in the whole world that doesn't realize that Jesus died? And this is what he says to him. He says, 24, verses 25 through 27, he says, Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scripture. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, exclaiming from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Genesis to Malachi, he was just like, this is it. Look at it. Look at it. Um, Acts 3, 18 through 25. I'm just choosing a few out of this this plethora of, of scriptures that are offered This is Peter preaching, and it says, But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God, that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago from his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. And then Moses said, anyone who will listen to that prophet will, be completely, will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. So this is incredible. And I want to tell you two distinctives about the prophecies that we are talking about. Is We're all so familiar with Harold Camping now, and I'm sorry that you have to be. Um, this guy who predicted the end of the world last Friday and it didn't come. And and that's not prophecy. Okay, but prophets actually, um, if we were in the Old Testament, Harold Camping would be stoned. Just saying. Um, because it was a very serious thing. It was a very, uh, I'm not saying this lightly, it was a very serious thing to make a prophecy. Right? And what we have in the scripture isn't somebody writing a whole book <laughs> out in one sitting and going, it's not like, <laughs> like someone writing a novel and, and knowing, because they've sketched it all out, that that what we're all in tension about on chapter three is going to be resolved in chapter 24. Right? It says, even in 1 Peter, that when the prophets prophesied, they, it said they, they diligently sought out when the time and the person would come. They, they invested in this. When is it going to happen? And now we've found that this person is Christ. Right? So hundreds of years, get this, as we read a prophecy together, hundreds of years before Jesus came, this was being written. And this is miraculous. Right? Right? Oftentimes, because we don't read our Bibles, we're like, and, and people come to us and they're like, have you, have you read the Bible? It's just, it's, anyone could write that. <laughs> okay, turn with me quickly to Isaiah 53. And this is one of the prophecies that, that is, for us, will help open us up to an appreciation of, of exactly what it's talking about, these prophets of long ago are are predicting Jesus who would come. So Isaiah wrote 400 years before the coming of Jesus Christ. Um, And we we have early writings of Isaiah dated before the time of Jesus Christ. Um, So far before he came, this is what was being written about him. Isaiah 53, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sin but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sin. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped So we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. <laughs> Hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came, the prophet spoke and longed to know when the time and the person would come. Right? When will the man come who, by his wounds, I'll be healed? Who will intercede on my behalf because I can't intercede on my own behalf? And they made careful searches and inquiries. I want you to know that there is a difference for us who come after Jesus Christ. I think so often we just meld the Old and New Testament together and, and I want us to see why they looked forward to Jesus so much and why we can be so thankful that Jesus came. In, in Hebrews 12, 17, it says this of Esau... I'll start in 16. It says, Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. So, the word here, begged, is the same word used for the prophet searching. Right? Esau searched for mercy. I want you guys to get this. This is hard. (laughs) Okay? The, the Esau, when he gave up his birthright, and yet when he sought it, he couldn't get it. Right? And in the same urgency, these prophets are seeking out. When will Jesus come? Because there's no mercy unless... The man Jesus comes, right? Why? Because what it says in Isaiah 53, because we all have gone astray, we've all become rebels. So oftentimes we treat the Old Testament like like it's God's old look and then he gets rebranded in the New Testament, right? Right? Like we haven't got the God of the Old Testament and, and he just needs like a, an upgrade to become the God of the New Testament. But that's not what happens. What happens is I say 53 where it says, and it was God's delight to crush the sun. <laughs> because what Jesus did, does is he becomes God himself becomes our defender. When Jesus is explaining the law and the prophets, he says, what sums it all up? The Old Testament, what sums it up? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is the summation of the law and the prophets. How would we sum up the law and the prophets? We can't do that! Right? I just, I read the law... And I'm I can't do that. I, I'm suffocated by the law I can't, and so and so all we want to do is be like, well, God changed his mind in the New Testament. He had to. No. <laughs> what fulfills <laughs> the New Testament is the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We find ourselves so incapable of the love that we want to have, <laughs> right? And, and this is, this is a, a hard teaching, but what's amazing is we find it so hard because we, get, we just put our heads down and we, we look up to God and we're like, God, you're unjust. And all along, it's God who's saying, no. No, look to the person of Jesus Christ. Right? I have made a way. I have made a way. So looking for the person in the tongue. I think one reason why we don't get this oftentimes is because um, is because we don't understand why Jesus needed to suffer and die. And so I'm going to talk about that really quick. Why did Jesus need to suffer and die? And, and I think we don't get it because we live in this sea of mercy. We live in this sea today of of can't, can't we all just get along? Like, can't we all really just get along? I, I would love that. Can't, can we just love each other? <laughs> and that's what we live in today. There is, there is something called the Humanist Manifesto. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. And I'm going to read you a portion of it. Because this is, this is, I think, I've just been like wrestling through this this week. Because this is the stand that we take This is the stand that we as humanity have taken. And and I think they actually articulate it well in the Humanist Manifesto too, what our manifesto is as humans, right? Who come to God and they're like, this is what we can do. And this is what it says. This is a document signed by a lot of people who are saying what? That we don't need God to to survive. And this is what they write. He says, we have virtually conquered the planet, explored the moon, overcome the natural limits of travel, and communication, we stand at the dawn of a new age, ready to move farther into space and perhaps inhabit other planets. Using technology wisely, we can control our environment, conquer poverty, markedly reduce disease, extend our lifespan, significantly modify our behavior, alter the course of human evolution and cultural development, unlock vast new powers, and provide humankind with unparalleled opportunity for achieving an abundant and meaningful life. Right? That, that is our humanist manifesto. I didn't even have to write that. They wrote it for me. This is what we've done. Right? And, and we've tried. I stand with you guys and just say, we've, we've tried that, and it doesn't work. I, was, and I, wanted to, I want you to compare this with the vows that I heard last night at the wedding I went to. I've been to a lot of weddings and I've never been so moved by vows in my whole life. Um, two months ago, I sat down with the groom and and he was just like weeping to me going, Daniel, God is faithful. I, I don't deserve this. And he had shared to me the last six years where he's pursued this girl and, and himself fallen into some pretty deep sin and her mercy just like receiving him back and, and then learning to... To get to the point where they're at now. And it's amazing. So, six years, <laughs> and, and listen to this. This is, and, and I'm, I'm only gonna, I only have what I remember of their vows. And this is the way they, both of them started their vows. Phil said to Brittany, he said this, and I really appreciated, side note, that they had memorized them and they were just like, it was like they were giving them to each other. They weren't like reading them or anything. They were like, it was, like, it was so beautiful. And he says this. He says, After we became engaged, I had a friend who told me, Phil, Brittany is an amazing girl, and you totally deserve her. He was wrong. I don't deserve any of this. In a hurting and broken world, I don't deserve to be loved in the way that you love me. I'm thankful... That despite the things I've done, that in God's mercy, he has allowed me to love you in return. And, and that's all I remember of his, and he, he went into, I mean, his vow included pieces of First Corinthians 13, and just, it was, it was incredible. But hers started like this. Phil, I'm a selfish, warped, and broken girl. God in his mercy has allowed me to look past myself and to love you. Right? And, and I, could go, I could go into a lot of philosophy about why I don't agree with the Humanist Manifesto, but all I want you to see is these vows. And I think they present it way better than I could. This is powerful, guys. I, I was stunned as I was watching them share these together, and I thought, they are sharing, they are sharing something so much more real than us just trying to say, I'm powerful, and, and I can offer you something that's really complete. Um, they saw their need of Jesus, and they understood why Jesus needed to suffer and die. They understood that they both so badly needed mercy. Um, And it allowed them to say, very honestly, I mean, the word that grabbed me was warped, right? She said, I am I am a selfish, warped, and broken girl, (laughs) right? And just grateful for God's mercy. And um. And so this is why Jesus suffered and died, because God's justice required him to. get this, deprive Adam and Eve of some of their ability to pursue happiness for they depreciated the value of his glory by declaring their own independence from him. And and that's a a mouthful, but what this means is that that Adam and Eve have declared for us, and we've really followed through with this, that God, we can live fun independently from you. And time after time after generation after generation after generation we pretend like we can do that. You get this, we pretend like we can we can live fine independently of God, but the prophets knew otherwise. As they longed for Jesus to come. Right? They longed for a God who would have, that God would have mercy on them, that God would express his mercy through the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is suffering. Because why? Because we have depreciated God's glory. And so they sent Jesus, He would suffer. But then after it, he it says, afterwards, he would receive his the great uh, his great glory afterwards, right? He cries suffering, and then his great glory afterwards. Um, so his great glory afterwards is this: is that God's view is to restore us into. His own glory and sharing the happiness that He shares in Himself between the person of the Father and the Son and that He longs for us to share with Him too. So why did Jesus have to suffer and die? Well, Jesus had to suffer and die because you couldn't do it. right? You couldn't, you couldn't win mercy for yourself. But God loves to have mercy on you. And He's calling you. I want to have mercy on you so you can share... You can't have happiness independent from me. You can't. I'm going to make it so you can have happiness with me through the person of Jesus Christ. That's mercy. Because of God's great mercy, he's allowed us to be born again. Whenever I think of his great glory afterwards, I think of this story. There is... Um, There was a count by the name of Count Zinzendorf, and he started this missionary movement called Moravian Missionaries. and, And they would send missionaries out all over the world, and there was these two young men who sold themselves into slavery onto an island because the island wouldn't allow any missionaries to come. And so they sold themselves into slavery so they could go and be missionaries on the island as slaves. And as they were pulling away... And everyone was crying on the balcony because of the, they were crying there because they would not see them any longer. And, and this is what the men said. They waved and they said this, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. <laughs> May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And I love it because... Because these this this are people that they really realized, like, Jesus, you've given your life for me. I, I happily give my life to you. Right? I happily. May the, the Lamb who was slain receive the word of his suffering. And it just becomes our joy to just partake in that. Right? And so oftentimes, we miss that because of the sea of mercy that we live in. The sea of mercy. And, and it's best exp- understood by me in this way is camping, right? If we, if you go out camping, most of you, if you think about camping, um, and you've never camped before, if you have the money, you'll probably go to REI and buy like a 20 season tent, and then like a a negative 15 degree sleeping bag, right? And then all like the Insta food that you could possibly (laughs) carry, and it still only all weighs five pounds, (laughs) and you go on a perfectly manicured trail to where you go, and if it rains too much, you can still go back and sleep in the car. Right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) This is the sea of mercy that we live in. (laughs) And this is why we don't understand because we live on this side right we live on this side while the prophets are waiting the prophets are longing when will when will we just see and when the person of Jesus Christ when mercy comes right and they're so excited about it right but we lose our appreciation because we're here and and guys don't lose your appreciation for it I was so moved this week, just thinking. I, I'm so thankful. I struggle so hard time loving people. And, and I, I was so happy that that was the second commandment, and the first is love the Lord your God. Um, and, and thinking, man, God, you just call me to love you. And I thank you for Jesus because, like, like, I just feel like I'm just so helped by him in that So anyway, I'm getting all sentimental on you guys. <laughs> so those that come to him in, in in Romans 9 it says they will not be disappointed. Why will they not be disappointed? Because Jesus Christ is the living prophecy. It's what for hundreds of years from the, since since the fall, it's what Adam and Eve were looking forward to, the one who would crush the head of the serpent. Right, and as they as we go through the whole Old Testament, and they're just waiting. When when will this man Christ come? When will the person come, who will suffer so I can be healed? And it, he came, and that was Jesus Christ who came. And this is this is the hope that's being offered to you guys too today. And those who come to him will not be disappointed. Um. So I hope that you guys realize now that the hope you're sharing isn't something that's just a private faith that you've just decided independently to do. Um, That it's something that for hundreds of years, people have just been looking forward, thousands of years, people have been looking forward to it. And the promise is true. And we have it in the person of Jesus Christ. Um... So don't ever pretend. Don't ever, ever pretend like you are doing it on your own power. Because you've received mercy upon mercy. And if you struggle with sin, come to the person of Jesus Christ because he suffered so you can be healed. (laughs) Right? And that is mercy. That's what God was looking forward to giving you. That's what the angels were bending over the mercy seat to see. Right? This is the angels long to look into these things. Like they didn't even understand how it was so cool how something so cool could happen. But it's a gift God's giving you, and and um, and don't neglect to let it bring a lot of happiness into your life. Um. So I'll pray for you guys, and then we'll sing. God, I I thank you that you've let me talk about Jesus today. God, may it be a conversation that we take with us every day. God, I pray that, that maybe some of the words, maybe even the vows that Phil and Brittany shared last night would just would help us see so much right now. I'm so thankful that in a hurting and broken world, Jesus Christ stands as an anchor for the soul of those who come to Him and put all their hope in Him and they will never be disappointed. God, I pray that this church will be a church that just recklessly trusts you um, that we join with <laughs> all the Christians of the Old and New Testament and, and that have lived that just claim Jesus Christ as their one hope. Um, and I pray that you'll give us the ability and the blessing to share this together. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.